Happy New Year, everybody. As Pastor Rob said, you've already heard it a hundred times today, um, but it's really good to have you with us this morning. Uh, this is our first Sunday back since the beginning of the new year, um, and we are going right back into our Bible engagement. Um, we are going to continue, if you're just joining us and you're not familiar what we've been doing at Bridge, uh, real quick, in a nutshell, we're taking 30 weeks at Bridge. We started in October. We're going all the way through June, and we are taking breaks through that time, but we are looking at 30 key passages across the entire Bible that help us understand how to listen for the story of God through his scripture. There are 10 different volumes. We're doing about, on average, three sessions in each volume. Our children are doing them with us. Our youth are doing them with us. Our small groups are with us as well. So the whole church is learning these at the same time every single week. Uh, When we change volumes, we change our faith verses, and that's going to be out there this week. It's already out there um, on our Etch-A-Sketch that's out there. If you're not sure why we have a giant kid's toy posted on the wall out there, uh, it goes all the way back to September. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know that message, you can go back and talk about the, where we talk about the renewing of our minds and how God wants to shake us, start fresh, so that we can go back to recreating a mind that he has designed us to experience. And that begins with the understanding, memorization, and application of the word of God. Make sense? Okay, good. Good, I hope so. Um, So here's our faith verse for January for the Bible engagement. It comes out of Isaiah 41.10 in Bible engagement, and it's from Isaiah 41.10. It says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my victorious right hand. That's Isaiah 41, chapter 10. Now we're going to pause for a minute and I'm going to open in a word of prayer and then we're going to say that verse again, hopefully together. Okay, so would you bow your heads as we get ready to speak this morning? Jesus, I just pray that you would come before us today. I'm sorry, as we come before you today, that our hearts and our minds would be open to what you have for us. Our hearts and minds would be open to the plan that you've given us. God, may we hear you clearly. May we not just listen to words, but may we apply them as your spirit speaks to us. In your name we pray. Amen. Isaiah 41, verse 10. Let's read that together. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. It's Isaiah 41, verse 10. NLT is New Living Translation, if you're not familiar with what that is. We just put that on there in case you need that reference so that you can memorize it. Next week, I'm giving you a one-week stay. Next week, we're going to rehearse, I'm sorry, review all four of the verses that began in October, November, December, and then we'll have this one. And there will be prizes. Okay? So if you're interested in prizes, and by prizes, I don't mean like a personal visit from me or something like that. That's not a prize. Okay? Usually a text from me results in like, how am I in trouble? Um, but no, I mean like you, a, a visit, no, a, a gift, something fun, something maybe, well, actually it's in prayer and fasting. We need to rethink this, don't we? Yeah, no candy. Yeah, y'all get celery next week. How about that? So memorize your verses so that you can have celery. How about that? Um, yeah, so here we are. Volume four. Session three. We're in volume four in session three. If you look at the notes that we have, 
Don't go to session one. We're jumping ahead and doing session three first, and then we're backtracking. There's a reason for that. Today's message is called Set Apart to Hear God's Voice. Set Apart to Hear God's Voice. What does it mean to be set apart as Christians? Well, another way of saying set apart in the scriptures is to be holy. In the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, but especially in the Old Testament, God makes a call to Israel and he says over and over again, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Now, holy doesn't mean that we're righteous and we're without sin like God is. He's saying be set apart. Be different. Don't just look like everyone else. Look different because God is different. There is only one God. He is holy in every way, shape, or of the, of the form. He's completely righteous. He is good in all of his ways. And he's telling them, I want you to emulate me, not the world. So when the world looks at you, they don't see, they just don't see people that claim they have a relationship with a God, but there's actually a difference in the way they look, in the way they live, in the way they love being set apart. Today, we're looking at being set apart, but specifically to hear God's voice. Being set apart to hear God's voice. And we're looking at a passage in 1 Samuel chapter 3, and I want to say just a couple brief things about hearing God's voice. Um, learning how to hear the voice of God, I think, is one of, the, one of the most significant questions or most common questions I have heard people uh, ask. And maybe it's one of the top in your list. How do you hear the voice of God? Does God still speak today? What does it sound like? How do I know I'm hearing God and it wasn't just a really awesome Christmas party? Like, how do I know what's going on that I'm really listening for the voice of God? Or is this just something that's made up in my mind? Learning to hear the voice of God is absolutely something that you have to develop. But it's not something that God withholds from us. He's not waiting for you or I to be at a certain level or a certain position before he speaks to us. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit. The truth of the matter is God speaks to people. He has always spoken to people in the history of human race. God speaks to people. If you open up the scriptures and you look for examples of when God spoke to people and how God spoke to people, there are literally hundreds of examples of God speaking to human beings from the Old Testament and into the New Testament. He speaks through our inner voice. He speaks through mental impressions. He speaks audibly in some cases. Regardless of the ways God speaks all through the scriptures, what's important for us to hear this morning, and this is absolutely critical, is that God still speaks today. He still speaks. Now, you may agree with that, and some of you ameners say you agree with that. Amen. Or as Theo, oh, thank you, Esther. Amen. I love that. The accent just adds a level of credibility to it. So thank you for being so boisterous. I, I love that. I'm not singling you out. I love the fact that you will respond to that. Thank you. Um, but God still speaks today. He still speaks. He still has something to say to all of us. And he is not silent. Now, saying this can put us at risk in this world. Now, in the church, you might say, yeah, God still speaks. That's good. But go into the public sector. Go into a supermarket. Go into a gas station and talk to someone there and say, or go into your workplace tomorrow and say, God still speaks today, and he speaks to me. And some people might say, all right. And other people might go, okay. <laughs> they may not see you as the same competent person that they saw you the day before. They might think you're a little crazy. 
right? You're a little off the wall. And, and here's why in cases, one, there are people that genuinely don't believe that God speaks. And then there are people that believe that everything, something happens, that, that they believe that some people hear God all the time. You know, I was talking to the Lord this morning and he told me to put my shoelaces on and I was tying it left to right. He said, no, don't do it left to right, do it right to left. And people are so God speaks to me about everything that people just say, okay, I could never be as holy as that person or as strange as that person. And people associate sometimes God speaking with people that are odd for God. Does that make sense? Have you ever heard that phrase? If you haven't, here's your first experience. Odd for God. Oh, I heard the Lord speak to me today. Okay, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But the truth of the matter is he does still speak. It is a risk for us to say to others that God still speaks. Especially when the way we communicate it is, the Lord told me to tell you this. That's really, really dangerous. But God does do that, right? You just really have to know what you're hearing for you to say things like that. And there are other ways for you to say it that will confirm those things as well. I'll share you some stories maybe about that a little bit today or maybe sometime during this next couple of weeks. But here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to look at a portion of Scripture out of the Old Testament in the book of 1 Samuel. And it's an example of the first time God speaks to a young boy named Samuel. And there are really amazing things that we need to understand and we can pull out of this passage that is completely relevant for us today in this new year. It's not just for thousands of years ago. First off, if you don't know the background, before we get to 1 Samuel, Samuel was a boy that was born to a woman named Hannah. Hannah was barren. She had no children, and she prayed for years that God would give her a child or give her a son. She even made a commitment to God to say, if you give me this son, I will fully surrender this son over to you, and he will be a part of worship, and he will become a priest, and I will surrender him and fully devoted to be fully devoted to the work that you have for him. And as the story shows us in the beginning of 1 Samuel, she becomes pregnant. She has Samuel. And when Samuel becomes old enough, Samuel is then given over to Eli. Eli was the temple priest, at which point Samuel began to be trained by Eli. That was what his point was. He would become another priest for the nation of Israel. Now, The age of Samuel going to Eli was roughly maybe 11 or 12 years old. We don't specifically know, but that's about the time the tradition actually says so. There's a historian named Josephus that actually writes that Samuel was 12 years old when he was actually in this circumstance that we're getting ready to read about. But the point is, he wasn't three, he wasn't five, he wasn't a toddler running around. When he became of age, he was given from his mother to the temple, and he became basically the property of God to be taught and instructed in the ways of the priesthood. Make sense? So that alone could preach as a mother asking for something, a child that they knew they would willingly give up. It's a beautiful story, but as a parent, can you feel that ache in your heart a little bit? Beautiful future, but also the ache. So that's the setup, and that's the story. He's about 11 or 12 years old. We're in chapter 3 of 1 Samuel, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10 together. Beginning in verse 1. Let me read. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. 
Verse 4, then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Verse 8. A third time the Lord called, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Verse 10, the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. Isn't that powerful? That is so powerful. Just to read those 10 verses and you see the progression of what's happening There are a few things in this passage that we can learn about today, about hearing God's voice. But before we discuss this, we need to answer the biggest question, I think, around this. And that is this. Why? Why does God speak to us? Why does it matter that we believe God speaks to us? What is the point? If I can ask it in a different way, so what? Why does God speak to us? And though I'm not going to look for a raise of hands today or what your thoughts are around, there may be some things that come to mind as to why you believe God speaks to us. You might say, well, he speaks to us because we need instruction in this world. We need guidance in this world. If we're hurting, we need comfort. If we're anxious and in a place of unrest, we need peace. If we're sick, we need healing. Maybe we just are confused and we need answers. All of those are legitimate reasons why we believe God speaks to us. Would you agree with that? I hope you would agree with that. But the number one reason why God speaks to us is because he wants relationship with us. That's the reason why God speaks to us. Without communication, there is no relationship. Think about this. For those of you that have friends or family or spouses or any or all of the above, How can you have a relationship with someone that you never communicate with? Now, I don't mean you have to call them or you have to see them face to face, but you can communicate by having lunch, right? You can communicate with each other after the service today. You can send a text message. You can send a tweet and hope they read it. You can do this new thing that's been out for a while, the be real thing. Some of you people do that. Yeah, be real. I love this. Every app that's out there about being as genuine as you can, and then you watch people do it, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm going to do a be real, wait a minute. I'm like, you're not real? You're posing again. Like, you're not real. It's silly. You can communicate through apps. You can communicate through FaceTime. You can communicate through service. You could send a message to someone that you love by giving them a gift card to a store because they need groceries. If there was snow outside, you could shovel someone's driveway and never speak a word to them, but still communicate to them. Am I right? There are so many ways we can communicate to people today, but 
Communication is the foundation by which relationship is based on. Do you hear what I'm saying? If there is no communication, there is no relationship. And that's the whole story of Christianity in the Bible. God is pursuing relationship with you, and he's pursuing relationship with me. So, hear me out. Can we speak to God? Yes or no? Yes. We do that through what? What's one of the greatest ways we speak to God? What is it called? Yes, prayer. We do it through prayer. Okay, we can speak to God. We hear that all the time. But how many of us are more comfortable praying to God than we are listening to him? How many of us are more comfortable saying we can talk to God, but I don't know if I know what he's saying in response? Can you have a relationship with someone who will let you speak to them, but they will never respond? No. No, you can't do that. I'm not even going to ask you to try because I don't want any more marriage counseling on my books. Have you ever just felt completely ignored? You could speak, you could give, you can serve. I'm going to talk to our moms just for a moment. Little kids, teenagers, or adult children, you give, you serve, you do all these things. And at some point, you know, I talked to, I talked to one parent a couple weeks ago, and they were, um, they were all, you know, struggling with leaving their kid. You know, I have to leave my kid overnight. And it was a young kid. I have to leave my kid overnight. I don't know how I feel, but I said, listen, if it's any consolation for you when they get to their teens, they're not going to care. So maybe you can just, you know, be okay with the one day. Because at some point, we all have this great revelation in our minds that our parents are not as awesome as we thought they were when they were younger, okay? And then once we get through that season of stupidity, okay, this is true, okay, when we get to our older years, we recognize, wow, there is some merit in there. Here's where I'm sharing all of that. You can give, you can serve, you can support, you can be the greatest advocate for these kids at any age. But have you ever just have them walk out of the house? Hey, see ya. Don't say anything. Or don't say anything. Right? Look at some of you. They're like, man, this is not an encouraging Sunday. Here's my point. Without two-way communication, there is no relationship. Right? We need two-way communication. Gentlemen, if you're not good with words and you're thinking about getting married someday, practice. (laughs) Ladies, if you're really good at using words, practice using less words. (laughs) Men who use lots of words, and the mirror is right here. You... Men, if you use too many words, practice using less words. But the point is, make sure you're all using words. Make sure you're all speaking. Make little notes. Serve people. You know some of the people I have in relationship with? I don't see some of those people very often. But you know what? You might get a gift from them. Or you might swing by and recognize that, hey, like someone stopped by and dropped this thing off for you. Or they, they said, hey, why don't you swing by and leave your car here and I'll take care of this for you. There's relationship in there because there's communication. You're not talking. People are just doing things. Point being, God still speaks to us. So I want you to think about this in the context of communication, not just words. This is what we're looking at. And this is why this so matters. What happens when we hear the voice of God is that everything changes. Prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 15, 16, he said, your words, your words are what sustain me. They are food to my hungry soul. They bring joy to my sorrowing heart and delight me. How proud I am to bear your name, O Lord. 
when we have the voice and the word of God planted in our hearts and we know it's God speaking to us in one of many different ways, that is what is supposed to sustain us in this world. And if we cannot hear the voice of God, we will not ever be at peace. So how can I hear God's voice? That's the question this morning. How can I hear? How can you hear God's voice? I'm going to show you three things from this passage in 1 Samuel that I think are so important for you and I to understand. And if we choose to see them and apply them, we will experience the voice of God in our lives. Number one, look for God. We need to look for God. Verse 2 and verse 3 says, One night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. Okay, He was in the temple. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Two things here that I want you to see. Number one, Samuel was lying down. It was quiet. Number two, he was close to God. Think about this with me just for a moment. It was quiet. He was looking. Now, he wasn't physically saying, God, speak to me. Remember, the scripture says he never even, where he wasn't familiar with the voice of God and knew God. But he was in a place that was quiet enough for God to speak to him that he could hear. And he was close to God. The ark of God was the ark of the covenant. And that's where the presence of God resided at that point. So his proximity was close to God and he cut out the noise around him. Mother Teresa said, if you are hungry to hear the voice of God, you will hear. To hear, you have to cut out all other things. So when you're looking for something, think about this. What does your life look like when you're looking for something? If you lose your keys... What does your life look like when you're looking for your keys? Everything else goes to the side. You lose your glasses. I look for my glasses. This is like trauma 101 because I can't see very well without my glasses. So now I'm looking for something I can't find. But the greatest priority in that moment becomes the thing I'm looking for, right? So if the phone is ringing, am I going to stop and answer the phone if I need to find something of significance? No, I'll wait, right? If someone's trying to get my attention... I will wait. I will wait until I find the thing that I'm looking for. When you're looking for God, you're saying, I'm going to prioritize an environment that allows God to speak so I can hear, and I'm going to do what I can to be close to God. Does that make sense with me this morning? This is so important because I hear people say, you know, and and myself at different times in my life, I hear people say, I just can't hear the voice of God. I can't hear the voice of God. Okay, are you looking for him? Are you really looking for him? God knows if we're looking for him. In the Old Testament, there's a passage that says the eyes of the Lord in Chronicles. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro the earth looking for a heart fully committed to him. In Jeremiah, he says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your what? Heart. God knows when you're looking for him. This doesn't mean that he's sitting there with his arms closed, crossed, saying, you're 98% there. I'm not speaking until until you're 100%. That's not how he is. But our hearts are very clearly looking for God or looking for everything else. Do we make the time to gather? Do we make the time to quiet our hearts? Do we make the time to be alone and let the voice of God speak? Do we come prepared 
listening for what God would have for us and actually be able to respond in those times? Or are we so busy and we're so going and we're so distracted with everything around us that we expect God to find ways to jump into the conversation? That is one of my greatest pet peeves. You ever go to a to have a meeting with people and there's a lot of type A personalities in that group? Now, I'm a type A, but I'm not like type A on steroids, but I am a type A, okay? And what I have found over the years is that when I'm around like a lot of type A's that are out of balance and we're in a meeting, people don't shut up. They just wait for the Latinx person to stop talking so that they can talk and they can talk and they can talk and they can talk. And if you've ever been in one of those meetings where you're listening to all these people talk and you're thinking, well, everyone just be quiet for like 10 seconds just so I could say something and you feel like you have to compete to get your voice in. You ever been in a situation like that? Because there's always so much noise. And sometimes if we're not careful, we put God in that seat. Well, Lord, I'm busy. I'm moving. I'm shaking. I'm buying. My kids are doing this. I got to go to work. You know, this is on. My phone's buzzing. Lord, I'm listening. I'm listening. But you got you to speak louder, Lord. And the Lord says, I want to speak when you're ready to listen. Years ago, we took a trip to Alaska. And our missionaries brought us out to a place called Eight Mile Lake. Absolutely loved it. Very few times in my life can I say I've experienced true silence. But you could not hear anything in that space. Denali was 100 miles away, and it still was huge. When we parked the van or the, the truck or whatever we took, we all stood there. And if we were all willing to be absolutely silent, you literally heard nothing. No wind, no bugs, no chirps no planes, and all I wanted was about 30 seconds of silence, and someone was always moving. It really got me angry on a mission trip, I know. <laughs> Do you know how rare it is to experience true silence? Try it. Look for it. See what you need to do to get true silence. Even this morning, if I stop speaking in this moment, you can hear the fans blowing from the heating systems. You can hear the lights buzzing. You can hear the hum of an instrument. True silence is a very rare thing. But if we want to hear God's voice, we need to be at a place where we are close to God, just like Samuel was. He was close to God, and he was willing to be quiet. Are you in that place this morning? If you want to hear God, find a place that's quiet. Find a place where you are close to God and be intentional about shutting off all the distractions. Number two, listen for God. We look for God, we listen for God. We listen for God. Consider the ways which God speaks and then pay attention to what's happening in the moment. In verse eight, I'm going to the third time. Samuel I'm sorry, a third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Are we listening for God after we create a place for God to speak? Do you listen for the voice of God? You see, what's beautiful about this is Eli recognized the voice of God. Why? He was old. 
He walked with God for years. He recognized what God was doing. And he immediately instructed young Samuel, the boy, to go back and say, now that you're hearing something, let me teach you what it is. Now posture your heart to actually hear what what he's ready to tell you. Are we listening for him? We can hear lots of things and never listen. Am I right? Right? Are, Are we right about that? Make your bed. Make your bed. Make your bed. Paul, please pick up your socks because our dog loves to steal socks. Please pick up your socks. And he comes up, he's like you know, strategic. Like he runs in, grabs it, takes off, and then hides. And then he shows us what he did over and over again. Like, look what I did. I know I'm in trouble, but look what I did. Please put your socks away. I know, I heard you, I forgot. But am I listening? No. Hearing and listening are very different. You understand the difference? You're, some of you are hearing me right now, but you're not listening to anything I'm saying. Maybe. Some of you may be watching online saying, I hear what's going on, but I'm reading something or I'm eating something or I'm paying attention or I'm on the internet while I'm doing that. You know, I remember years ago, I had something I had to get out the door and I was really in a rush and I was on a phone call with somebody. This is years ago, many, many years ago. It doesn't matter who or when, but I loved their honesty because I was paying attention to something and I got something like, oh my gosh, I have five minutes to get this done. And I was having a conversation with them and they stopped and they said, are you listening to what I'm saying? And I said, I am. Why? They said, because I can hear the fingers on the keyboard typing. And I said, oh no, I was just figuring out how to pray for you while you were talking. No, I didn't say that. I said, you caught me. I had to get this out. I was listening to you. I was actually hearing, but I wasn't listening to everything. Aren't we guilty of that sometimes? I've watched people over the years try to have conversations with like three different people when the TV's on, impressed that they are able to multitask. The truth of the matter is, if it's a guy, it doesn't happen. Men cannot do that. So if you think you can, you're fooling yourself, but you're fooling nobody else. It's the truth. Hearing and listening are different. Samuel learned how to listen by hearing the voice of Eli give instruction. Are we willing to listen for the voice of God? Years ago, Henry Blackaby wrote a book study called um, Experiencing God. And he talked about five different ways that God speaks. And he talked about circumstances, how God speaks around your circumstances. He talks about other believers, other people. Through prayer, he can speak. Through the inner voice, he can speak. And he can also speak audibly. And he has done at different times in, in history, past and present. He still does those things. But the number one way God speaks today is through his word. Number one, Tony Evans said, the Bible is the voice of God in print. If you really want to hear the most words you're ever going to hear from God, go read your Bible. If you don't know how to read it, come to the class in February that Dave Silk is teaching for four weeks to teach us the authenticity of the Bible, why we would want to understand the authenticity, how it can be reliable, Old Testament, New Testament, how to do some actual inductive Bible study methods to really dig into the voice of God and what he's saying in there. Those are great opportunities. But God does speak through circumstances. Right? Maybe around Christmas, some of you got gifts from people around you that you love. Did they speak to you by giving you a gift? Right? I talked to someone over Christmas that said they hate getting cash for Christmas. You know, some of you are like, what? That's the best gift in the world. But you know what they said? They said what it says to me in that situation, it was a very unique situation, but what they said in this situation was, I don't really know what would actually make you excited, and I don't really want to take the time to figure it out. It's a very intentional thing. It doesn't mean if you gave cash to anybody that I would, they would feel that way. So if you ever choose to give that to me, I promise I won't feel that way. <laughs> but 
But you hear what I'm saying? Circumstances communicate something. Other believers can communicate things to people too. Am I right? Other believers. God can speak to you and to me through other believers. Lord, I've been praying for this. I need to know what's going on. I'm struggling. I'm walking through this. And God begins to speak the same thing through other people. And that's a beautiful way that he communicates. Prayer, I already mentioned that. The inner voice, the still small voice of God through his Holy Spirit that lives in us. And then, of course, the audible point. So look for God. Listen for God. And if you're listening for God, you're going to find in all of those different ways, there is a trajectory that God does start showing you all of the ways that he is trying to communicate to you. We understand that he's wired us this way. Some of you have heard me say this over the years. But if you're car shopping and you decide to go buy a car and it's the coolest car you've ever seen and the coolest color you've ever seen, and then you buy it, you're going to see that car everywhere. You're going to see that color. You're going to see that make. You're going to see and go, wait, I thought this was a unique car. Now it's everywhere that I go. Why is that? It's not the Holy Spirit saying that is the perfect car for you. We're wired in a way for our brains to say we allow things through that we're focusing on and we kind of subconsciously filter out the things that we're not paying attention on. So if we're looking for God and we're listening to God, we are going to allow those things through and we're going to start seeing where he's working around us. Does that make sense? Look for God. Listen for God. The last thing this morning is to obey what he says. Obey God or obey what he says. Another way of saying this is to respond to what God says. In three spaces or three examples in this passage, you see in verse 5, Samuel, in verse 5, he ran to Eli after he heard the voice and said, here I am, you called me. He heard the voice and he responded. In verse 6, Samuel got up and went to Eli. And in verse 8, a third time the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. Every one of those examples the voice of God was made known, and Samuel responded to the voice. And you know what's beautiful about this? He didn't know the voice of God. Isn't that cool? Think about that. He was 11 or 12 years old, responding to what he thought he heard. You can be at a place this morning, church, where you may be in a younger, developing relationship with God, and his Holy Spirit is trying to speak, and you're saying, how do I know it's God? I don't know what to do. Just respond. Is the love of God not great enough so that if you fumble through that, he's going to punish you? Of course not. It's like a baby when they learn to talk or when they understand and learn the voice of a parent. In the first few days or maybe even week or two, it's hard for them to actually focus on anything. But the more that they experience that voice, the more that voice directs them, the more their head and everything moves in that direction. I remember when... Um, my wife was pregnant, I think it was with Libby, wasn't it? When I would talk or sing or something, she'd get all whatever. Um, and, you know, she was in the womb, and I would sing or talk, and she's like, man, that's a good voice. And she'd get all excited inside. And she'd be like, I love that. And it was all amplified, right? So every time my voice was there, I'd be like, woo! And she'd get all excited about it. So after she was born, it was easier for her to recognize the voice of her father because she heard the voice for so long. But it is a, pro- a process, church, and it's okay to make mistakes. And God's so loving and gracious that he just wants us to continue to listen. Because here's what happens. The more that we look, the more that we listen, and the faster we respond, 
the easier it is to us to hear the voice of God and to then respond the next time because now we know what it sounds like. Now we know what God's doing. Does that make sense? This is what's happening. I mean, I can give you lots of examples. The one example that comes to mind this morning that I'll just briefly share is when we knew we were getting close to having to buy another car. And um, we had to buy another van. This was years ago. And I had a cool idea that I was going to go to uh, what was, I think, the car sense up there in uh, Hatfield. Some of you know where that is. It was a car sense before it's whatever it is now. Um, And I wasn't going looking for a van. I told my son, this was years ago, I said, hey, Let's go test drive some awesome 5.0 Mustangs tonight. What do you think? And he's like, are we going to buy a Mustang? And I said, no, I just want to go test drive one. So he's like, cool. So we went and he decided to go look at one. And I said, let's just go test drive one. I've never driven one, and it would be cool to learn more about it. While we were there, I asked them about vans. They happened to have a van that just pulled in the day before. And I said, oh, that's great. We haven't cleaned it. We haven't done anything about it. There's nothing we did about the car, you know, whatever. And I said, well, can I look at it? So I went and looked at it, and it needed a ton of work. It was very dirty. They gave me the backstory on it. But I started looking at the car, and as I was looking at the car and I was walking through it, a pile of all the service records were there in the car. And I thought, wow, they left all the information here, the old owner, where it was serviced, all that stuff. And here's what I recognized when I looked at it, because I started going through it to say what was actually in the car. One of the people that was servicing the car was one of the people that went to this church and the car was like 45 minutes away. The dealership was 45 minutes away from where it was. And I'm looking through this. I'm like, I know that name. I know that name. I know that, I know that name. What's going on here? And it didn't need a lot of work. But I remember in that moment, I started looking at the stuff and I looked at my son. I said, we're buying this car. And he said, what? You haven't looked at it yet. And I said, doesn't matter. I said, all this stuff that's going to get fixed has got to get fixed. God, this is such a time as this, this circumstance, God is putting this here for this time. And what we didn't realize during that time is that our other van was going to be sent up to New York to go work with a church plant situation that some of you may remember. But the, the point I'm saying about that, that's a vehicle, that's a car. What's the significance of that? When you know the circumstances and God are putting certain things together, you go, this is not just coincidental. God's trying to get my attention about something. If it was the first time it ever happened, I don't know if I would have been able to say that. But God does things at different times and he shows us things and you go, you can differentiate as you continue to listen. So I want to encourage you this morning, look for him, listen for him. And then when he speaks, will you be willing to obey? Our worship team is going to come up this morning and we're not going to close in the song, but we are going to do the song. But I want to give an opportunity to continue what we did before the message this morning. Because we are getting at a place in this year to kick off our 21 days of prayer and fasting. What I'm trying to say is tomorrow, our prayer and fasting starts. 21 days, prayer and fasting. 21 days of asking yourself, what does it look like for me to look for God? What does it look like for me to listen for God? And when I hear him, what does it mean for me to obey and respond to God? It's 21 days, friends. Here's what I know for sure. I know that there are people across this church that need to hear from God over the next 21 days. In fact, I'm not saying something prophetically. I'm saying something because all of us need to hear the voice of God. So when I say some of us, what I'm saying is, if you're here and you're listening to this or you're watching, you need to hear from God in the next 21 days. Why? Because he died His son died on a cross so that you could hear from him. 
so that you could be in relationship with him, so that communication could be restored between us and him. You with me? So the next 21 days isn't for the person sitting next to you. It's not for the person sitting behind you or in front of you. And it's not just for me. It's for all of us. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, whether you're on the black diamond and you're going down full tilt because you and God are like this, he still wants to speak to you. Or whether you're just trying to take a step wade into the water with the very first step and you don't know where to go. God wants to speak to you this morning. So if you're in a relationship with him and you've trusted the Lord as your, as your savior, what will the next 21 days look like for you to look for him and to listen for him so that you can respond and see him begin to move? Dwight Moody said, there will be no peace in any soul until it is willing to obey the voice of God. You see, looking for God is important. Listening specifically the things that he's saying is very important as well. But if all you do is look and listen and you don't follow him and obey, the voice of God gets quieter and quieter and quieter. Because without obedience, there is no peace. And for any one of us that thinks there's a detour when God is speaking to us, there are no detours in the kingdom of heaven. If you're struggling to hear the voice of God today because of something that's been happening over a period of time, ask yourself what the last thing was God told you to do. What was the last thing you remember about that situation that you haven't heard anything since then? Ask him honestly, and maybe that's where he needs you to go back to. I'll never forget, and I'm always reminded of the story of the nation of Israel and how God brought them out of Israel, out of the land of slavery, and within a year of them leaving, he brings them to the promised land and says, here's your next step go into the land where the giants are and I'm going to give you that land. And all the spies go in and only two come back with a positive report. And what did they say? We can do it. And the rest of them said, we can't do that. They're huge. And what happened? 39 years they wandered. 39 years God sent them back into the wilderness. And a whole generation of his people died in the wilderness because of their disobedience to his voice. But when that generation passed away, what did God do? He brought them right back to the same place that he had them 39 years before. And he said, go into the land. There's giants, but I'm going to go with you. And then what did they do? They went. Don't look for detours. If God is speaking to you about something, if he's challenging you about something, he's not going to, he's not going to cave choose a different path if he's already spoken to you about something. He's going to say, I'm going to bring you back to the same place. Will you trust me to walk through that uncertainty? Maybe you wrestle with doubt. Maybe you wrestle with discouragement. Maybe you've just been offended by God. All of those are legitimate reasons to not necessarily be able to hear the voice of God, but it's not, they're not valid reasons to stop listening. So that's my challenge to you this morning. We have 21 days. What's the position of your heart this season? Are you hungry? Are you willing to look for him? Are you listening for him? And will you obey what he says? Next Sunday night, we have a worship night here at Bridge. We'll spend about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. We're going to do some worship and we're going to do some prayer. And the whole point of that night is to, again, create an opportunity where we can be quiet before the Lord. 
we can look for him, we can listen, and then we can obey. But you don't need to wait. You can start that today and believe what God's going to do. If you haven't written down things on what the next 21 days will look like, can I encourage you to go home and get a piece of paper and a pad and jot down some things that you're looking for God to talk to you about over the next few weeks that you're asking him for, that you're asking him to walk with you. And even if all those things on your list don't become answered, know this, the most important thing, which is the number one reason why we talk to God, would be. And that is, you'll speak to him, and he'll speak to you, and the relationship will grow, even if there's still something you're waiting for him to finish. So I'm going to close in prayer. And the team is just going to quietly sing this song. I'm going to ask any of our prayer people if they could please just come up to the front. And I'm going to ask, would you just stand with us this morning, please, as we get ready to close? And if you guys can go back again to the first verse on that song, Make Room, I'm going to read verse 1 and verse 2, and then I'm going to read the bridge. Okay? So... We're going to close in prayer by me reading these words. And I'm just going to ask you to take these words and commit them to your heart so that the Lord can speak to you and you can allow the next, you can allow the next number of weeks to be incredibly challenging and, and nurturing for you in your heart. Father, we come before you today. I just pray these words that I'm going to say wouldn't just be representative of me, but it would represent each person that's here. With open hearts, Lord, we say, here is where I lay it down. Every burden, every crown, this is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Every lie and every doubt, this is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down. Lord, you are all I'm chasing now. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. And I will make room for you, Lord, to do whatever you want to. Lord, we will make room for you to do whatever you want to. Lord, I ask you, will you shake up the ground, Lord, of all our traditions, and will you break down the walls? our religion, Lord. May we be mindful this morning that your way is better. Your way is better. Jesus, I just pray the next 21 days would be an opportunity that we don't relinquish, that we take advantage. We find those spaces of quiet. We bring our pads and our pencils listen for you. And God, when you speak like a newborn child or a young baby or a toddler learning to discern the voice, may we fail forward knowing that it's okay for us to make mistakes. It's okay for us to miss things. But God, I'm convinced nothing changes us. Nothing changes us like knowing the voice of God. Jeremiah said it is life. It is your words that brought him life. And I just pray that we would experience the words as well. Lord, have your way today. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
Our prayer team is here this morning for you, either in response to today or if there's anything you need prayer for, please come and let us pray for you. Pray blessings over you this week. God will bless you as we kick off our 21 days of prayer and fasting and that you would join us and walk alongside us in the next journey over the next few weeks. God bless you. Have a great week.